Hi everyone, my name is Valerie. And I'm Marin. And welcome to The Modern Idealist, a podcast for career-driven professionals looking to make an impact. Welcome back. I'm Valerie. And I'm Marin. Today we've got another episode of Modern Idealist, Under the Influence. <laughs> the influence of bubbles. Are you sure? <laughs> Not drugs. This is a drug-free zone. <laughs> Not drugs and bubbles. Mm -hmm. Fine. And she's right. It's about getting some inspiration. Absolutely. We felt like we needed liquid courage tonight and maybe liquid courage and some form of babble mode. Yeah, because we've had a lot on. I think in my opinion, we are not just babbling. We are intelligently babbling, (laughs) if that's the word. (laughs) And we're testing how many glasses it takes for us to... You know, you can't do too much no. and you can't have too too little. So we're trying to find that um, perfect, what's the word? Babylance. <laughs> it's like a combination of babble and This balance. is a bad start for intelligence. I was looking for, um, uh, let's, <laughs> when you call something the optimal, we're looking the, for the, the optimal yes, point. We're looking for the optimal. Now that we're on a great start, mm-hmm. lots have happened in recent times. I think yeah. we owe our listeners a little bit of a up, an update, mm-hmm. perhaps an apologies, but mostly an update. Yeah, it's been a while between drinks, literally, tonight. So, uh, yes. That's true. If we mutter, we have to make sure that we just... No, I think it, we haven't had that much. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. We're, yeah, that's true. We're not that much in. I am East Asian genetically so can take a little less <laughs> yeah for see. me it's five for you it's one and a half maybe if exactly. we're lucky we just you know muffle the number a little bit we, we, yes yeah, yeah, yeah a we little can. cooler that's fine um, so lots have happened in recent times definitely on a world stage i can't even bring myself to talk about what's happening on the world stage and to, to unpack that at this moment mm. but also a lot has happened here in our own little stages. So we'll get into that. But first, let's talk about your super fun bleep soiree. I'm not going to say what age you became, Marin, in case you didn't want to share. Well, actually, I'm quite fine with age. I don't know. My mother was always very open about her age. So I feel like there's some women... They get really offended if you ask, mm-hmm. but I'm 35. Amazing. And, okay. I love uh, that. Yeah. I'm 35. And how do you feel? How does 35 feel? Mean? Well, I feel like recently I have kind of been reduced to a pair of ovaries and a biological clock ticking, but strangely enough, I don't feel that in myself. You know, I think there's something, and, and for those of the listeners who are above or in their mid thirties, there's something about this sense of self that you keep stepping into as you get older. Mm. Uh, there's less fucks given about the things that aren't important and more fucks given about the things that are. So I kind of took that attitude into my birthday party, wore some pretty far out outfits. I mean, which, I thought it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time. So what are the things that do matter in that case? Sometimes I think... I'm getting on my soapbox a lot lately, but again, that it's really important to assert your opinions and your voice where you can. And one of those things is diversity, right? Mm. Just being able to go into an organization and look at the room and who is being represented in that space. I mean, I I see 
some of that. I really value that patience sort of to explain and tell your story because it's they are lived they come from lived experiences when i'm constantly having conversations with people and they have backgrounds in all these kinds of they've got bachelor degrees they've got working experience in other markets Mm -hmm. and they can't get a job here it there's something that just burns inside of me Mm. yeah and that's something that you know i've always given a fuck about that because i do that for a living it's like how do I help migrants or people with migrant backgrounds become Mm. entrepreneurs or follow their own path so Mm -hmm. they don't so they can have the best opportunities for themselves Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I really care about but it's just getting to the point now where I'm thinking how do I do more I think it's really important especially as a white woman in this space to not be someone who's got this white saviorism perspective Mm -hmm. but just to say well how can i use the the skills and the tools of resources sorry sure no few (laughs) yeah but it's like how do i use the skills and tools and resources that i have just to be able to showcase another person it's not giving them a leg up as in oh i'm just helping because you know it's a I don't know, a do-gooder thing. It's like this is a person with extreme talent and capacity and ability and they deserve a space. So if I can be someone who's a connector and I can say, hey, this person, you you meet this person, Mm. you can create magic together. So it's something that I'm constantly thinking about. And I think there's something every single year, like I was saying before, every single year that passes I feel that I get more assertive on these topics. And yeah. maybe there's something about the fact that I could be very much like that in Australia. Mm. But I think starting yeah. here and building that trust again yeah. and having to go gently, gently. There's this feeling that like time in life is running out, right? Mm. And that you got to really make that. use of it, right? I'm going to challenge one thing. Does it make kind of the story of, you know, when people get older, they become more, you know, closed. And closed could be like in many ways, like, Clothes could be closed in conservative point of views. Clothes can be closed in liberal point of views. Mm. Um, you kind of wonder if it's sometimes, you know, like coming back to how we've, we've talked about this before. We're not that original, but sometimes we, we live our lives thinking that we are original. But it, mm. it's like there must be generations before us who might have lived this before. And so you kind of wonder if they just gave up at some point. It was like, I'm going to assert my voice wherever. And this is my stance. Well, I mean, that's so true of the the boomers, right? You know, mm. in the 60s and 70s, they were all free love and then they became the neoliberal capitalists, the, the voted conservative. It's like, what happened? Yeah. And so I think for me, you need to have role models in any area of your life, right? Yeah. And having role models of people that have maintained that curiosity and mm. that ability to say, okay, what are the young people doing? What's happening? Mm-hmm. What? How do I, I mean, obviously for some people I'm a young person, but also living with my brother Ethan, who's Mm -hmm. 21, I'm thinking how do I learn from him? What knowledge and insights does he have? Does he have that I can glean? Yeah, exactly. But I do think about that a lot. I think am I going too left, for example, and I need to be more centrist Mm. because I think there's something about being centrist that brings people along for the journey Mm. so being able to understand the left and then understand the right and be able to say Mm. hey this is how we can Mm. work together but do we have stubborn lefts too like old stubborn lefts in the boomers too yeah yeah for sure that's very true sorry i'm thinking about 
just the conventional. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say my parents. <laughs> they're very good, very open people, but it's more mm. this yeah. idea of, I don't know, the, 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 the left being this very Yeah, I mean, you get associated by, you know, all these things that the media likes to associate it with. And I think the media likes... The, the way that their business model runs today, I mean, not saying everybody's after the clickbait strategy, but more or less. And, you know, with the titles, the way they are, and every piece of article needs to have some sense of urgency on it. And I think it's nice as a general rule of thumb that people get drawn into, but then everything has to be done tomorrow and the consequences being like really really horrible and while that those all might be true but it's just like the way that they're that the facts are presented to us it makes us kind of it drives us like one way or another when mm. whichever media you consume you end up being on those extreme sides and they yeah because know, it's sensationalized you're yeah. right yeah. That clickbait kind of mentality is like, how do we draw people out to the fringes as opposed to uniting people? Exactly. And I think that's something that I would like to maintain. I want to be able to say, how can I understand the perspective of the other? But yeah. there are some things yeah. where I'm just like, fuck you, this is not. But I, I have this hypothesis. Understand. Could it be that like centrist views? I mean, they're not that sexy, you know? No, like, but it's, it's like, not... what do you stand for as a centrist? <laughs> exactly. Then like, there's that. Like, are you just like a watery no brainer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, we save that for another time. We have to park that because I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, we had a lot we wanted to tell the audience mm-hmm. today. I'm really glad to hear about, you know, your reflections um, because you're, you know, you're so old. <laughs> 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 I was like, what do you say? <laughs> the old came out. I really appreciate you too, Valerie. So I really appreciate your wisdom, you know. Because <laughs> we're so far apart in age. My goodness. Um, tell me how it goes, you know, when, when you get generational passage. I hate yeah. it when people say that. I don't care how old or how young they are. Just like anyone saying, when you get to my oh, age, I, I just want to like punch them up so the bracket. So patronizing. So patronizing. Or like when you become a parent, you know. Yeah. Okay. Save, I'll save all that. To um, continue. I understand, but I'll save all that. Okay. So some of the stuff we wanted to tell our listeners was that we were also on stage at Diversify Nordic Summit at their gala called The Annual, where we took the stage for Modern Idealist and did our first comedy skit on the paradoxes of Norway and the Nordics. Yeah, it actually went pretty well. Uh, we started off pretty unashamedly. We called out Norway for some having some of the uh, highest chlamydia rates in the world, along with other Nordic countries, of course. You, you can't make this shit up. This was actually a campaign that was done by 7-Eleven back in 2018 where they had a series of ads and they talked about, you know, welcome to Norway, it's the home of the fjords and the majestic mountains and chlamydia. <laughs> so, yes, it protect kind yourself. of just, yeah, it cautioned foreigners to protect themselves mm-hmm. and wear condoms and go to 7-Eleven and buy them. So if you want to check out the ad, I'm pretty sure it's called 7-Eleven, welcome to Norway, or I don't know, we'll put, we'll put something in the link. But, yes, basically it descended from there. Absolutely. We took on a few topics there. I mean, I just what wanna, other just big- a, Sorry, just as an Go aside, ahead. I do want to say that's something I really love about the Nordic countries. Like let's just talk heteronormative relationships because I think those that are outside of that 
don't have the same sort of conventions. They're somewhat liber- liberated mm-hmm. from them. There mm-hmm. are their own challenges as well. But from a heteronormative mm-hmm. perspective, the fact that here in the Nordics women can take home men without this slut-shaming attitude that you have in Australia, in the UK, mm-hmm. in the US, mm-hmm. I just think like power to them. The, the, you know, when I think of equality, there are some problems with equality. I have a yes. lot of opinions about equality when it comes to migrant women, when it comes to internationals, etc. But this attitude of equality being like a woman can take home a man and it's it's the same. Mm-hmm. In my experience here, maybe it's not with everyone, but in my experience here, it is totally the norm. And I think that's really empowering. And I say power to the Nordics for it. Hell yeah. And so the day before, before we took the stage. Marin, you moderated a panel discussion on attracting and retaining diverse and international talent. This space is getting a lot more attention now. Mm. We've spoken about the monoculture of Nordic countries in previous episodes, and it's also what makes them the happiest of countries in the world, Mm -hmm. according to the Happiness Index. But some of the hardest to integrate into as well. Mm. So this is a really important topic in general. But also for us, because we stand in the middle of it. We have so many friends that are migrants in the Nordics. And it's really interesting, you know, to to see that struggle in a place that was supposed to be so good. It's Mm -hmm. like you 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 know, you to almost just look up the happiness index and say you need that, you go to the index, you look at the top five countries and you pick one of them and likely to be the, one of the Nordics, you fly all the way in, you land and you land on a pile of slush <laughs> and it's dark outside <laughs> and nobody talks to one another. This was the experience of my brother when he first came here in February. <laughs> Definitely not talking mm-hmm. to you, Ethan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you land here and, and it's, yeah. And then you hit, you're hit with all the things of the monoculture, which is all the things you're not suddenly. Yes. Yeah. And I think whilst attracting and retaining diverse or international talent is important everywhere, especially for the Nordics because of this monoculture, it's really fundamental for economic growth. I mean, it's, and and this is one of the things that I get on my bandwagon about because it has to strike to the point where it's like, okay, well, we've run out of software developers or we've run out of this particular skill that we need in order to have economic growth. So let's, you know, create a knee-jerk reaction and start finding people maybe outside of the country. There's so many skilled people within the country. But secondly, if we don't focus on systemic change and creating better policies and systems and structures within organizations, we're just skimming off the top. We're just, Mm. you know, we're putting a bandaid on the wound and just, I mean, that's not a great analogy. What could I say? It's just, it's, it's kind of ripping the scab off the wound. That's what it is. It's not actually doing anything to fix it and medicate it properly. So it heals. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think so many countries are doing, but especially Nordic countries. So I love that opportunity to be able to talk about it with a panel of experts. There is, um, a digital copy of that somewhere. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can put that in the link, but just being able to say, okay, what can we do to not just attract and retain the talent in in the first place, but what systems and structures are important so that we're not just having this 
knee-jerk reaction. Mm. Uh, so we, when you moderated this, what were some of the key highlights from that? Well, one of the panelists, she made a she she spoke about how being able to look at two CVs and you've got a man and then you've got a woman. Mm. Uh, and we're just talking again, binary. Mm-hmm. We're not saying the different nationalities, et cetera, or different ethnic backgrounds, abilities, these kinds of things. But just by changing or just by looking at two CVs and choosing the equally qualified woman, mm-hmm. they were able to then say, okay, we're increasing women in the organization by they wanted to have a gender parity mm. and just by going to the finalists and saying, okay, we're going to choose a woman every time they were able to expedite that progress mm-hmm. or that process. In a way, is that like a quota? It was like a quota. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys talk about quotas? Cause I think that's a very interesting topic. Oh yeah. And I know it can have more than an hour on its own. Mm. Just wondering if you guys talked about that at all. We talked, there was another, we haven't gotten to all the other activities that we've been doing lately, which was, uh, there was also Oslo Innovation Week. Mm -hmm. So after this conference, we talked about quotas and tokenism in Mm -hmm. Oslo Innovation Week. And there were some fantastic responses there and people talking about how, is it really tokenism? Because you found Say, for example, it's a woman or it's a person of color or it's someone with a minority or marginalized background, being able to say, okay, this person works in the industry, this person has some sort of competence, so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. They're not actually just a token. So even if it's called tokenism, they have to be in the race in the first place. Mm. And I loved that. And there was another one about, you know, because we had a panel of people from very, very diverse backgrounds Mm -hmm. And several of them said, you know what, if it's tokenism, I don't care. I want to take that opportunity because I want to show what I'm worth and what I can give. And yeah. I want to see yeah. people like me yeah. being front and center I can, so yeah. that I can pave the way for others. Right. I can imagine that tokenism, if I'm hearing you correctly, as a start, as a reason to get in is a good start. Mm. But tokenism is sort of less okay in the way that we've seen it. When it's on the other side, it's more like, oh, this person's been here for whatever long time. When you're using it on the other end saying, Mm. but we have so-and-so. That's when it's, I think that's definitely problematic. I remember walking past, there was a picture and there were two white men and there was an Asian woman and they were taking the picture and the Asian woman was at the front. And I just thought, I've seen this happen before. I don't know if it was the case with this organization. But I've seen it happen before where it's just like, here's the token person of color and it makes it look like they have the same opportunities as other people, you Mm -hmm. know, on the same level, but yet people are surpassing them and they're still at the same position. Yeah. And so I think about that and it really gets under my, gets gets under my goat. I know. (laughs) So I I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's like, if that's the external communications, but nothing's happening internally, Mm -hmm. then no. But if someone's saying, okay, we need a person of color, we need a woman, we need a minority, being able to have that, even if someone else says, oh, they don't deserve to be there because they, Mm. this is merit-based and they haven't actually done the work. Well, let them think that. Mm, Exactly. I just heard you um, mention Asian woman in the the photo. So I got a side note, Mm. if I can share that. I came across a, a Bloomberg law article 
And I wish I remembered the writer and the writer wrote about her own experience. Uh, she is a leader in a law firm in the mm. US and it was sort of about how Asian American women are having a hard time in law, which is what she was referring to. Mm. But I would extrapolate that and take it just to incorporate practices because law is sort of one of the most extreme risk adverse places. And, and, and I can likely extrapolate that, I think, to a lot of corporate environments. And she had a quote there that I really liked and I just felt a lot for it, you know, probably because I'm Asian woman. I haven't really been following all the AAPI news that much, trying to kind of keep it broad. You know, she said Asian women are often, um, or I think she was says Asian American women, because then it's, they have to be women sort of placed in these Western contexts. They are associated with either sweet and docile. I would like to add mm. myself that uh, an obedient, sweet, docile, obedient. But then she also says on the, or they can be these tiger moms, dragon face ladies. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of either or you're that woman that you see. You, I mean, I wonder if a lot of this comes from Hollywood even, yeah, you know, you watch a movie so and I can just see Hollywood. the the woman bargaining at the market, like an Asian woman bargaining mm. at the market, like a hard bargainer and um, somebody who's like a boss woman owning mm. her shit, but she is rude and she's ruthless and she has no manners. She can't speak English perfectly, all these things. And then you have the other side. Um, is meek and mild. Yes, meek, mild, obedient sweet i don't know the amount of times i've been told how sweet i am oh, um, I, if people say that i'm sweet i literally want to fight them it's a really weird compliment I think to get it's the worst compliment you can possibly get because <laughs> i've, I've, yeah. I've trained i've been trained to like it all my life and i do still like it i would it. never say valerie is sweet because i know you <laughs> i know the real yeah, you but you also know the real me so that's a different story and <laughs> people don't see that part yet but yeah, I just think sweet as a term is very condescending mm. and maybe like there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people that disagree with that, mm-hmm. uh, but I think, I think it, could, it yeah. fits into a stereotype like you're talking about. Yeah. It feeds into yes. a stereotype. Like I would like to be, but given like, I'm, I'm fine with sweet, but given the context of everything at this point, I'm on your side. Like, I just want to strip that all away now. Like sweet is, was okay. Standalone as sweet, mm. but given all the context that is now, it's like, dude, you have 20 plus adjectives to choose from. <laughs> well, I love that you said 20. <laughs> what would you like? What yeah. adjectives would you like Finite to be? people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what adjectives would you like to use? For I don't know. I'm not uh, sure. I think you've been too kind using formidable, mm, which absolutely. Um, I'll take in sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> happily. Um, but if I were to actually ground myself a bit more, I'm not sure, but People who know me well and see my true value can see that I bring a lot more opinions to the table. Yeah, and, I and think th- opinionated is a great adjective. Yes, that is really good. So the reason why I don't like sweet also, mm-hmm. and this sweet obedient image that I've been... Now I'm going on my soapbox. Yeah, please Give, keep yeah, continuing. We're going to time boxes. So for as long as you're associated with being sweet... It's really hard to be opinionated. Yeah, obviously. and rock the boat a little. Yes, and anytime you say something that is, is not an echo of somebody else or along the lines of, yes, sir, yes, madam, you're making a comment of the stickler, like you're the stickler. Mm, and it's like you're not reinforcing the stereotype that I have of you in my mind, so therefore, yeah, this but, doesn't work for me but, because I'm stereotyping you, but you don't really know, but you have to fit into that mold. Exactly. 
anybody could have said something out of comfort to somebody and they react, mm. right? Let's just say um, I've got a peer. It's me and a white man. Mm-hmm. And we say something similar lines to another person who felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I started with less on that note. Mm-hmm. That even though both are uncomfortable, one will be more like, okay, I can see, you know, if it was the other person, maybe like a white man, it would be more like, okay, I could see how this is different, but maybe mm. we circle back to it. You know, something along the lines where it's not like you're you're wrong. But when I say something like that, that kind of like what you said, rock the boat, then it's like, oh, you're being difficult. Yeah, You're going against the grain and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Frankly, you're not smart enough to keep up with the rest of us. Oh. I've heard that before. It's like all these minority groups. And I know that brings me to a different thing. I know we have to park it because it's going to be a really big conversation. Mm. But even the term model minority, um, it's so problematic. Hey, listeners, as you can tell, Marin and I have had a very productive last few weeks with physical events, and therefore it's taking longer than expected to share all the interesting insights and story with you guys. We've split the episode into two parts. And with that, We'll conclude the first part here. So stay tuned for the next part of our debrief of the other big innovation and sustainability events, like our panel discussion on ESG sustainable innovation at Oslo Innovation Week and debunking the most common misunderstanding of ESG versus sustainability. So thank you for listening to this episode and for subscribing to Modern Idealists. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We love meeting new friends and hearing from your perspectives. Please keep reaching out to us on our individual LinkedIn profiles or find us on our social media handles, Modern Idealist Podcasts on both LinkedIn and Instagram. Catch you there. you've enjoyed our podcast so far do leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast and find us on instagram or linkedin at modern idealist podcast